If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 131 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we're going to turn our focus to leadership once again. And to do that, we'll be talking with executive coach Christy Berger. But before diving into the conversation with Christy, we want to acknowledge our sponsor for the second quarter of 2018. Our sponsor this quarter is Review My LMS, which is a collaboration between our company, Tagoras, and 100 Reviews, and that's the company behind the very successful Review My AMS site. As the name suggests, Review My LMS is a place where users can share and access reviews of learning management systems, but in this case, the focus is specifically on systems that are a good fit for learning businesses, meaning organizations that market and sell lifelong learning. If you contribute a review, you get access to all existing and future reviews, and there are already more than 100 reviews on the site. And if you don't have a review to contribute, there's also a subscription option. So go to ReviewMyLMS.com to get the details. Definitely do visit ReviewMyLMS. But now let's get back to the main event for this episode. And Salisa, you had the chance to talk with Christy Berger. And I know leadership was one big focus of the conversation. But if I remember correctly, Christy actually comes out of a learning and development background and, and brings that lens to leadership. Can you give listeners a bit of a preview or, or maybe a pre-listen is really the best way to put that? Well, you do remember correctly, she does have an L&D background, and I think that uh, grounding that she had in, in learning and development is something that she's brought to what she's now doing in the leadership arena, because I know that one of the things she does with executives is basically develop a learning plan. And um, we talk a little bit about some of the the similarities she sees across different engagements with with leaders. We talk to about some of the common mistakes or missteps that leaders can make. And we also dive into women in leadership specifically, because that's an area that Christy's chosen to focus on. She's created some uh, peer networks of, of women leaders um, that are supporting one another in, in advancing themselves as leaders and advancing the organizations that you serve. So all in all, it was a, a fun, good conversation. Well, I like Christy's approach to leadership and her approach to coaching around leadership. I know that listeners are going to get a lot out of this episode. So let's roll the interview with Christy Berger. Hello out there. I'm Salisa Steele, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. And today I'm talking with Christy Berger. Christy is an executive coach with a broad base of experience in leadership coaching, group facilitation, executive coaching, training, and business development. Christy, welcome to the Leading Learning Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. And so to start us off, I want to give you the chance to add to that brief introduction I just gave. What else would you have listeners know about yourself and your work? Well, um, in addition to what you said there, I think you did a well. I think you did a great job um, summarizing it. My main focus in my work is working with leaders and organizations to help them accelerate their performance and um, create more value within their organizations and communities. Um, that's done a lot of times within a one-on-one context um, of an in-depth executive coaching engagement. Uh, in addition to that, I do some team facilitation work and some group coaching. 
Um, but really, it's around the, the learning process for leaders. Well, and that's great since this is the the leading learning podcast, and I am particularly interested in that learning angle of what you do. Um, and I know that before focusing on executive coaching, that you served as a learning and development manager for Simplex Healthcare, and, and you dealt with things like effective onboarding and employee engagement and leadership development there. I mean, so you've been in the shoes of some of our listeners um, who are very hands-on in L&D. So I'm curious um, as to how you see the connection between learning and leadership, between learning and the leadership coaching that you do. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I've been on the inside within organizations um, with, like you mentioned there, in the um, L&D space and OD space. And now being um, on the external side, I get to I get to almost peek into all these different organizations where they are challenged with, um, you know, ensuring that their leaders are constant, constantly learning. You know, the combination there, the way I look at, at leadership, I think effective leaders, especially in this day and age, have to put ongoing learning, um, you know, as a priority. And um, you have to keep learning in order to lead effectively because the, the, the landscape is changing, you know, whether it be, you know, within the business itself or within the role tra- role tran- uh, transitions that people take. And it's going to be very important to step back and say, you know, what does success look like in the business? What does success look like for for the leaders in their in their positions and create those success profiles and learning plans um, to meet the needs in order to um, create the most value for the business. And what, talk a little bit about what those learning plans tend to look like. I mean, do you find that most leaders are um, making use of a mix of kind of formal learning experiences, like you know, workshops and seminars, and they're doing kind of more self-directed learning, where they're um, you know looking at at podcasts and blogs and books that are out there, or you know, what type of resources do, do leaders tend to to look to? No, that's that's wonderful, and I think it's a combination. Um, ideally, it would be in tandem with you know the learning and development folks within the organizations that they would be a partnership with with the leaders, the hypos, and those in 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 the highest level leading positions. You know, it, a lot of times it is taken um, you know with the with the formal aspect of learning, whether it be in trainings or workshops or organizations that send their leaders to uh, more in-depth learning opportunities within like university settings and such. You know, as an executive coach, you know, my main focus is to say, you know, how do leaders you know, create their own learning agenda and how do we use a hybrid approach of self-directed learning versus utilizing those classes, whether it be internal or external, uh, as part of their learning for, to ultimately meet the, the learning needs and learning goals that they set forth and a lot of times those are identified um, through assessments, um, through the success profiles of their roles. And um, that's something that I, I work with leaders on, um, on, on, on pretty much every engagement is to identify what that is. And, and we craft a customized approach to meet those learning needs. That's great. So a very personalized, customized approach mm-hmm. to it. Um, I, I know, too, that... Um, that influences is something that you see as very important um, when it comes to leadership. Um, it, I think probably more important than, than the kind of role-based authority that leaders sometimes um, have because of their position title. Would you talk a little bit about um, what creates influence and, and how you might help um, a coachee become a, a person of, of influence or of greater influence? 
The ability to influence is going to be key for leaders to be successful, as well as individual contributors. I think regardless of the level uh, that one serves in an organization, the ability to influence is is extremely important. Now, what do leaders need to do to become more influential? I think the first and foremost is to take stock of where their role is within the organization. What um, does their role require of them and who does it touch within the organization. Um, One way of doing this is I have my leaders or those that I coach create a relational map. Um, I think relational capital is more important like you than like what you mentioned there is that position of authority or or your role. Uh, I think if if people can get a better understanding of those key points within the organization um, and what matters to those other folks within it be different departments um, within their team, they can create and craft you know, their messaging, um, their resources in order to to help support those folks and what, what they need. Um, so being able to to do that is to have also a better understanding, you know, that's kind of looking external, right, to to the organization and and um, the agendas and, and the key folks that influence um, across the organization. But the other way is how do they get better um, with their interpersonal relationships? And, and I think key to influence is having a a genuine mindset of learning and of service. I think when you do that and without an agenda, people can pick up on that and their ability to um, be influenced, so to speak, or, or be in collaboration, collaboration with you is going to be, be key to being able to be influential. So it's kind of that that motivation that you bring to a particular um, exchange, like you're saying, if if you don't necessarily bring um, a firm agenda, but you're open to this idea of of um, let let me see what I can learn, um, let me see what um, we can do to advance our common goal, that that's uh, can be key then to, to getting people to respond in in a positive way. Yeah, I think influence is one of those terms. It's kind of, um, you know, when you get back from like, say, a 360 assessment or at the beginning of a coaching engagement, we do an alignment of saying whether it be with, you know, an L&D person or HR person and that uh, leader's immediate supervisor, it's, it's be more influential or or be more strategic. And then the leader's <laughs> left going, what in the world does that mean? And so, you know, we have to break it down in terms that people can grasp behaviorally. Um, and with being influential or in leadership in general, you know, I think it's important to look at those key behaviors and skills that one needs to work on. But even before we do that, we have to look at our mindset of how we define leadership. How do we define what it means to be influential? And it may be different depending on your role and depending on the culture within your organization. So, you know, part of that in a coaching um, relationship anyway, is to partner with the leader to start to define what that means for them and what that means for within their context and their organization. And then we can start to to peel the layers back to say, okay, what are the behaviors uh, that's going to drive you to be more influential? In other words, and create more of that relational capital. I always say, you know, to be influ- to be able to influence others, you know, how many deposits have you put in the bank over the course of, you know, the last few years? You know, a lot of times, unfortunately, leaders wait till they're promoted to a certain position and then they're, they're they are 
uh, well, they have the responsibility of driving, uh, creating and driving a strategic vision. And well, the key to being able to do that successfully is you have to have people bought in. You have to, people have to want to hear what you're saying and, and connect with what you're saying. And unfortunately, leaders wait until they get in those positions before they create that relational capital. So one key thing, um, is working with those leaders to say, you need to be putting those deposits in the bank. Once we work on that relationship map or you know, throughout the organization and, and we start to build those relationships, we put those deposits in the bank, so to speak. So when you are in a position where you need to influence, um, you, you can make a withdrawal, right? And so, um, you know, that's something I know that's kind of a, a, a different um you know, metaphor for this, but it helps it. It helps people understand and relate to to what it mean really means to influence others, and how do they do that effectively? Mm, yeah, that's great. I like the right the idea of relational capital running with that metaphor and that idea of putting deposits in the bank. Um, you know, you, you mentioned when we were talking about learning plans just a little bit, and then just in in your last few comments around talking about kind of this idea of working with individual leaders to think about well, you know what influence means to them. And, and so it sounds like there's a lot that comes down to working um, to customize the approach with a particular leader. But I'm wondering, that aside, if there are kind of ideas or actions that tend to improve leadership regardless of the particular individuals or organizations involved, you know, is there um, low-hanging leadership fruit, <laughs> so to speak? Yeah, there there is. I, I'd say, you know, I work over the last, well, in the last 10 years or so in, in coaching, I've worked in all kinds of different industries and fields and at different levels within the, within the organization. And there are a few key components that I think for the majority of times translates uh, regardless. And I think one of those is, is what I referenced to a while ago is the mindset. You know, I, I really like to build a foundation of of what would be considered a learning mindset, uh, being curious, not being dogmatic in your thinking or thinking you have to be right, um, and and in the and really moving that pendulum from that judging to that learner. And once we do that, regardless of your role, our ability to influence and collaborate uh, with others is going to be greater. Um, so that's one foundational piece of that. You know, another, I guess, low-hanging fruit, so to speak, is that, you know, we don't work in isolation. You know, regardless, even in, even if you are a solopreneur, you're not working in isolation, you're working with others. So I think it's really important to say relationships are very important. And how do you establish that? A lot of times leaders you know, are in their role and they have their department and they have their team and they become very myopic in, in interacting with their team or their department. And, and the key is going to be around seeing the value and the importance of networking across the organization as well as outside of the organization. I you know I work with so many leaders that say they just don't have time for that. Just don't have time for that. And I think that's unfortunate because we got to help them see the value of that. Um, and one of the reasons, you know, I, I think is is very key as you move up in an organization is the the you've got to expand your sources of information. In order to be strategic, in order to see trends within your business and outside of your business, in your market, and um, you have to be exposing yourself. You have to be learning. You have to be taking in information, whether it be, you know, from great podcasts like this or, you know, going to different associations, different conferences, but expanding your network, expanding your sources of influence and information so you can 
be more creative and you can be more strategic, which, uh, you know, with the fast pace of change today, I think it's even, it's, it's vital uh, for leaders to do that, um, to be effective. All right. So you, you hit on both kind of this mindset, this idea of, you know, moving out of being too dogmatic, too judgmental, being curious, being a learner. And then this idea too, of being really aware of the relationships and, and both internally and externally, and that those are often a great source for, um, for learning as well. So you hit on sort of learning in, in both of those, um, aspects that you commented on. I'm wondering on kind of the flip side of that, that, um, you know, if you tend to see common mistakes um, in leadership, again, sort of regardless of the individuals or organizations in, involved, you know, do we all tend to make the, the same types of missteps? Great question. Um, and, and I would say, you know, everyone's unique. I, you know, I have to say in, in that sense, I'll, I'll put that out there first. That said, you know, one of the common mistakes that people make, and especially successful people, is that they tend to think what has made them successful in previous roles or previous companies is going to automatically make them successful in their new role um, or when they transition to a new organization. I think it's so important to do what I would, I would call a leadership audit, um, and that would then that would then um, tie into the learning agenda and learning plan uh, later down the, the line, but. By going in and, and listening and being reflective, auditing, you know, what are the skills that are needed and the mindset that is needed for the, the role today or the business today is going to be really important. Unfortunately, you know, success breeds the thinking that, um, you know, those skills and that the approaches that one has taken previously are automatically going to translate. And especially as you move up the, the leadership pipeline, you know, a lot of times people and leaders that have been very successful, you know, I'll, I'll get a chance to work with them and they're very frustrated. They're at the point of, um, you know, the organization's questioning their decision. And when we peel it back a little bit, it's really because they haven't met, they haven't stepped back to reassess what's needed um, in the new role, things that they have to let go of, skills they have to acquire and being able to. Um, negotiate and get clear on what the expectations are for the role that they're in today. I think that would be a common mistake regardless of the organization or the function. All right. So that idea of, you know, what got you where you are may not get you where you <laughs> yeah, need to yeah. go or Marshall want to Goldsmith, go. Yeah. yeah. What got you here won't get you there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's so simplistic and we kind of laugh, you know, we got that and that makes sense, I, you know, but it, it, it is, it, it, it's so um, surprising that, you know, well, maybe not surprising, I guess with the pacing and everything else, you know, just to slow down and be reflective on that is, is something that is extremely important. And I think where, you know, people or leaders can fail is when, when they're not stepping back and assessing that and partnering with their, you know, learning and development department or their HR department and with their immediate supervisor to, to really outline what does the success mean for me today? What does success look like um, in this role? And then working backwards to say, what are the behaviors, the skills and the mindset that I need to acquire or utilize? in order for to in order to be successful because mm-hmm. then you can go out and, and learn those you can you yes you can focus on those <laughs> skills and behaviors you need to add to your repertoire yeah, yeah you know and, and I'll, I'll i'll add one thing to this is that you know i find it funny this isn't this isn't the norm um but a lot of times when i'm working with leaders around 
identifying kind of how they have approached learning and how they've made learning a priority uh, prior to our engagement is asking them around like, you know, the, what have, what have they been reading or what articles has resonated with them or, or things like that. And, and unfortunately, you know, I have at the place today that, you know, there are times that, you know, very senior leaders are go, I don't have time for that. I don't mm. have time for that. And I'm going, oh, no, <laughs> you know, it's it's that red flag, like, oh, no, um, you know, we have to, you know, as, as learning leaders in, in organizations or external, you know, coaches like myself, you know, really have to help um, those that we work with and those in our organizations see how they can integrate learning. Um, and it is not reading war and peace, you know, it's not this <laughs> huge. And, and I had a client, you know, send me a picture of that and kind of joking. I said, you know, but we've got to build that muscle up and, and make it a priority of how do we integrate um, learning and, and micro learning. It can be in small chunks and, and and figuring out what that needs to be and customize that for those leaders so they can they can build that muscle up to where it becomes a norm. Yeah, it can be that irony of, of the, the shoemaker's children who, who go shoeless, you know, sort of thing where you have mm-hmm. the, the learning um, uh, professionals sometimes who, who aren't able to sort of give attention to their own learning, but how that can be yeah. so fundamentally important, so critical um, if they're going to be successful. Yes. So I, I know that you um, work with both um, men and women in your one-on-one coaching, but I know that you've also created an executive, executive development uh, opportunity specifically for women leaders. And so uh, I would love to hear a little bit about the fusion leader circuits, what they are, and, and what prompted you to create them. Oh, well, you know, with the fusion leader circuits really came about very organically. I did not set out to create a program for women leaders in isolation is the way in through, well, the way it came about is through conversations with those that I had worked with in one-on-one settings, which honestly, you know, I work with more men. It's a sheer numbers game. Um, there's more men in senior leadership positions. That That's unfortunately the, the way it is today. And hopefully we'll continue to move the needle in, in, in more positive direction. But what I was finding with those women that I, I did work with is that there were some common developmental themes, regardless of their function, regardless of their industry. And after talking with a few of those here, at least in my market, I felt like I was in a unique position to bring them together. And and, and as I was doing my benchmarking here in, in the Nashville area, there really wasn't an, a program for women um, at, the, at the level that I was working with um, that was really focused on their unique needs. So I... Um, put together a coaching and it's really based on a group coaching foundation and a group coaching model uh, to bring these women together that are from all different kind of industries, different functions, because ultimately they have different, different learning needs. Um, there were certain things that, you know, that, that probably were not going to get uh, or have addressed within their organizations. For many of them, they were the only woman at the seat of the table you know, within the executive leadership teams. And they were having certain challenges, but they didn't have anywhere to go. So created this program to connect these women, to have a neutral place to explore some of the opportunities and challenges from a developmental standpoint um, in a way for, for learning. In addition to build community, um, you know, a lot of sponsorship and a lot of mentoring, just because of the numbers, uh, are are mainly. Um, I hate to say this, but it's still the good old boys network in some 
places, not in all. And so create more community and opportunity for networking among uh, senior leaders, uh, women leaders specifically. Now, that's not to say we don't need men. We need men to be a part of the conversation. You know, we need men to sponsor women, uh, you know, because that has been shown to be one of the, the most effective ways to have women um, in become or gain access to some of the more senior level positions in organizations. So, you know, creating this circuit and the whole concept of the circuit is movement. So we move in our in our sessions, whether it be um, a speaker session or a group coaching session. We are moving around the city so we can expose the members and the participants to different organizations, uh, increase their um, awareness around what else is out there in our community. Well, I think that's really great. I like that there's the the emphasis on that that sort of peer learning, that community of practice, bringing people together um, who have the, the similar opportunities and challenges. And I also like the 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 length of it. I mean, it's a year long um, uh, commitment. Is that correct? That is correct. And, and there's intention around that. Um, it, it, we don't get together. Our, our sessions are, I would say, short enough, two to three hours every uh, other month. And then in the off months, we have either a private session with a key leader in our community, an opportunity for them to hear their story and how they've um, gone through different difficulties or challenges. And and so it, it's done that way to create that that depth. Uh, depth of learning, depth of, of relationship. So when the program ends, it, you know, I, I may be out of the picture, but my hope is that they have a community to lean into and to share resources, um, and and that lives on way past the program. Well, I I think if I have the timing right, that that you launched the Fusion Leader Circuits before the Me Too movement really gained mm-hmm. momentum. But I'm wondering if you have thoughts about women leaders in this sort of era of the, of the Me Too movement? Yeah, you know, this is, this can be a, a, a touchy subject. You know, I had the wonderful opportunity uh, to hear Tarana Burke speak uh, only uh, probably about a month ago here in Nashville. And I, I was educated on the uh, origination of the Me Too movement. And it really is about survivorship um, and, you know, the way it has been um, utilized in more of the the work settings and and things like that is is wonderful. I think it's really really good, and we need to have a voice, and everyone needs to be um, treated equally, regardless of your gender or your race or anything. And we need to value the diversity. You know, I, I will say that, that there has to be mindfulness of utilizing that construct. Um, in a positive way. You know, I just mentioned um, a while ago is that sponsorship and mentorship is key for, um, you know, having diversity in our leadership positions. And, and just again, the sheer numbers, men are in those, in those roles of the highest, at the highest level of leadership. And we need them to feel comfortable in supporting our women. And I read something recently you know, that some are uncertain in how to do that. And, and I think they just need to have courage and, and, and everyone have courage to reach out and say, you know, how do we um, embrace diversity? How do we um, support our women um, and our high potentials regardless um, and ensuring that um, 
that we're, we are supporting them to reach the, the next level of leadership. So, you know, with the Me Too movement, I, I fully support it. I just, as long as it's being taken in the right uh, construct. Mm. Well, so I'm going to shift gears just a little bit and um, ask about, um, you know, advice that you might have for our listeners, you know, who are these these leaders and aspiring leaders in the business of lifelong learning. Let's say they're looking to, you know, take their business to higher performance, you know, better better returns, you know, financial and in terms of the results that they're producing. And I'm wondering what advice you would have for those leaders and those aspiring leaders. Maybe it's the same advice. Maybe it's different for the aspiring leaders versus the established leaders. But but what what thoughts do you have? You know, I think, uh, you know, I think about your audience there and it, it would resonate probably be very similar for both aspiring and existing is that you know, you really are um, putting yourself first. I think for some of the um, learning leaders is always about helping other people be successful. I think it's, it's just as important as to how do you nurture your own learning and, and, and in order to be um, even of more service to those that you work with, um, I think th- the idea of goal setting, I know that seems a little elementary, but to be able to say, you know, what is it that I need? What what will what does the next year, three years look like? Now we can identify those, but we don't want to be so focused on them that we can't see other opportunities that may come up that we would never have seen before. Um, so I think there is this um, this need to be kind of fluid in that is set our goals, understand and plan for those things, but also be open to something that's unexpected. And, and yeah, uh, that idea of putting yourself first of nurturing your own learning. That just reminds me of the, uh, the, the airline um, stewards and, you know, you put on your own oxygen mask first and then you can help the others um, around you. Yes. And so the next to last question here as we're winding up, this is a a question that we like to ask of everyone who comes on the Leading Learning Podcast, and it focuses on your personal learning specifically. And so I would love to hear what's been one of the most powerful learning experiences that you've been involved in as an adult since finishing your, your formal education? Well, I think um, probably like most of, the, uh, of your listeners is I, I'm a junkie for learning. Uh, I, I absolutely love learning. I love reading. Um, I would say some of the most impactful is that I did a uh, program through the Neural Leadership Institute, which was extremely fascinating, and it was their brain-based coaching certification. And I've done a few different coaching certifications, and um, there was just something about this program that really helped open my eyes up and we think about learning and looking at it not just from, you know, the the construct of skills and, you know, motivations and the psychology piece, but really looking at it from the biology and the and and how the brain works and how our body works and how the how hormones and all those things play a part into setting the stage for optimal learning and how do we build new habits and um, let go of those that no longer serve us. I think that was a, a great, more formal learning experience. Now, on the informal side, I'd say, you know, I have been committed to pushing myself out of my comfort zone, even when I am wanting to run away. Uh, and, you know, it's not, it's been something I haven't done before. And I just, you know, every inch of my actual body wants to go the other direction. <laughs> and, I, you know, and I look at that now today as a sign that I need to keep moving forward. That is a sign that I'm growing. And so I've, I've learned to seek those out that if I am not feeling uncomfortable, um, or it's been a little while since I've been uncomfortable, then I, I need to, 
um, push push the envelope a little bit and seek out new opportunities. Um, so that's something for me personally that I've learned over the years, and um, and that's been very helpful. I'm very fortunate, um, you know, Silly said that I get to work in some of the great greatest organizations, but and, but more importantly, with some of the the most um, uh, successful leaders that are are doing really great things, and I get to work one on one, and I'm challenged by them every every day. These are extremely smart, extremely confident. A lot of times, uh, individuals, and so um, I look at each opportunity um, that I get to work with with these um, these leaders and those that help serve them um, as opportunities for me to learn. Mm, that's great. I think that's uh, wonderful to recognize that sometimes even when you're um, in the role of of the leader or coaching the leader, that there's still a lot that you can learn out of the experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important, you know, especially for those learning leaders that are um, responsible for helping, you know, support the growth of their organizations and and, and the leaders in their learning agendas that we have to model what we Mm -hmm. want and what we're teaching or what we're suggesting. And we have to have that humility and confidence to do it in the moment at times, at least someone in my position, um, you know, is I, I need to be able to walk the talk and push myself. If I'm going to suggest that, you know, someone with an extremely busy schedule, you know, read a new article or, or try out a new behavior that I've got to be doing that myself. Mm-hmm. Take your own medicine. <laughs> you, you got it. <laughs> so final question is if listeners want to know more about your work, where should they go? The easiest way to to reach me or learn more about my work is on my website, and that's cb at christyberger.com. Um, you can connect with me there, reach out with me there, or reach out to me there. In addition, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, either one. Great. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Christy. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much. That wraps up our interview with Christy Berger. To get show notes for this episode, just go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 131. And while you're there, you're going to see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of what you hear, we would be grateful if you would subscribe. We'd also be grateful if you take just a minute to give us a rating or review on iTunes. To get there, all you have to do is go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes, and that'll put you in the right place. And we really do need you to go and give us a review and a rating. We can't rely on uh, other people to do it. We need you to go out there and do that. It really would help. And we would be grateful if you would also take a minute to visit our sponsor for this quarter, Review My LMS. Jeff and I put a lot of work into producing and delivering the Leading Learning Podcast. And one of the reasons we're able to do that is because we're able to generate revenue through other sources like Review My LMS. So please visit ReviewMyLMS.com and if you can, contribute a review to help others find the right platform for their needs. Last but certainly not least, please consider telling others about the podcast. You can do that through social networks by going to leadinglearning.com slash share, and that's going to pop up a tweet that you can just click to send out. Or if tweeting isn't your thing, you can pick another social network, use that same language, and put it into LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever your network of preference is, but please spread the good word. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.